episode of Carolyn Talks, the podcast that's true to channel where I'm your host Carolyn Hayes, film critic and journalist talk to members of the film industry about their work and what inspires them. And today I'm joined by Aki Takabatake to talk about her company Momo Films which is a boutique film distribution company and we're, we're going to talk about her company and her work in the industry and we're doing this because actually I received a press release from Aki. Um, promoting um, the her films that will be showing at the Toronto Japanese Film Festival which is being held by the Japanese Canadian Culture Center and her, two of the films that will be screening there are um, Zen Diary, The Zen Diary which is a film about food and I love films about food, I love food, I love watching people cook food and I love watch, and I love learning about different cultures and different people through food and the second film is an animated film called Ramayama which is um, it was a joint production between um, a Japanese director and an Indian mm-hmm. um, filmmaker and it won some awards because I was reading up on it and it won some awards. It's from 1992 but it was um, re-released I believe in 2020 where it got put into some film festivals. It's a re-release. So re-release. it was originally a release when the film was made mm. and then you know acquired by an American company mm. and they did the distribution of like cut a shorter version but the rights expired. And uh, also, the Japanese producer like did a 4K remaster. Okay. I think around 2020. Mm. And uh, so they started to do re-release in Japan, and uh, and then I acquired the rights for the 4K version here. Okay, and we're definitely going to talk about the pr- process of acquiring films for distribution. That's something that I I do want to learn more mm. about. So I'm very excited to talk to you about that. But as usual, before we begin my full interviews, I'd like to have my guests say a bit about themselves. So. Aki, tell us a bit about yourself. What got you involved in film distribution and your interest in the f- working within that aspect of the film industry? Yeah, so uh, my name is Aki Takabatake and I'm the uh, founder of uh, Momo Films Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I graduated from Japanese high school, but I wanted to study in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I went to Vancouver and uh, uh, eventually got into UBC mm-hmm. uh, where I took film studies but also I was uh, volunteering at the, the Cinematic in Vancouver mm-hmm. so I was watching like a lot of films like maybe two films every night <laughs> yes, I can't even say anything because that's me and dramas <laughs> I watch multiple episodes a night <laughs> yeah so after graduating from uh, UBC mm-hmm. I went back to Japan and I found a job at the, a film distribution company um, and I was mainly doing acquisition for the company but the company also had uh, like two or three film theaters so I also learned about like theatrical distribution and the company also released like DVD and, and Blu-rays and, and eventually like TV and stuff so I learned the whole, whole process of uh, acquiring a film to like doing the distribution, like theatrical to like DVD to TV broadcaster. Um, I also like sold rights of films like a couple times in the mm-hmm. past. So I know both sides of like acquisition and the sales. So um, in 2009, um, me and my husband decided to move to Toronto. So we moved to Toronto and uh, um, I worked for the Toronto Toronto International Film Festival mm. about like four or five years oh, okay. in the uh, a programming department. I was working for the especially like Asian uh, film department. Mm. So I got to see like a lot of um, Asian films including Japanese films um, and I met like a lot of directors um, and then also um, I talked to the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center and uh, pitched the idea of like starting a Japanese film festival right. and uh, they took my idea so like um, you know the director of JCCC who is the, uh, Mr. James Heron um, decided to start the film festival the, the Toronto Japanese Film Festival so I was in- involved from the uh, you know beginning of the film festival um, we uh, program the films and we watch like a lot of films every year um, 
and I was also involved in, you know, like inviting directors and, and you know, like uh, talking to the film sales agent, like getting materials, also kind of like logistics stuff. Mm. Um, and this is like our 12th year. It's mm. happening right now in June. Um, but so because I watch a lot of films uh, through like my work, um, I come across with like really, really good films that I think it's kind of perfect for Canadian audience. Yeah. And I had this idea of like, oh, like I want to start a distribution company, but then like, you know, I had kids and also like the pandemic happened, everything was like shut down. I was like, you know, I can't really do it now. But then like after the pandemic, um, I saw this like film, amazing film called My Small Land. Mm-hmm. And it was like really early on, like it's, it was uh, selected for Berlin last year and the sales agent in Japan showed me the link about the same time uh, for me to consider, you know, and then I was like, oh, this is an amazing movie. So um, I want to like distribute this movie in Canada and um, they're really kind enough to let me handle the film, even though it's like I'm a startup as a distributor in Canada. That's amazing. So like so many things just I didn't want to get into. But first thing first, I actually moved to Canada in 2009 too, into Toronto in ah. When did you move to what month? September. You were better than me. I moved here in November in winter. Uh. Don't ever do that. <laughs> don't, don't, that was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> it's cold and <laughs> it was depressing. Very much so. We moved here from the Caribbean in, in 2009 in November. That was a bad idea. It was like a slap. It was literally like a slap in the face. We stepped out the airport and it was like, wow. So I was like, what is this? <laughs> I've never been colder in my life, but I'm like, we have that in common. <laughs> um, so, but you mentioned that you left Japan as a student and you came to Canada to study. Why did you, why did you leave Japan to study in Canada? Where is it that there weren't any programs that you wanted to do at the schools in Japan and then you, and you decided to do Canada instead? Yeah, so Japanese university uh, system is quite different from Canadian mm. system. So like at the end of the, uh, the last year of high school, you basically have to decide which university you want to go and right. which uh, course you want to take. And you have only one chance of doing an exam. And if you fail, you will not be able to get into the university. So I thought that like um, it's very fixed and once you get on the rail you kind of have to go on the rail but like I was only like 17, 18 I didn't really know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be Mm -hmm. and um, I I knew that I wanted to learn English but also like I thought like outside of Japan you know like US or Canada or you know whatever other countries uh, universities are more open I guess at least like a first few years, mm-hmm. you don't really have to decide what you want to major in. Yeah, the courses are more flexible. You can drop a course and start restart if you wanted to, yeah. Exactly. So I like the flexibility and because I didn't know what I wanted to study mm-hmm. and I also wanted to like study English, I was like, okay, I want to go to you know, university outside of Japan. So, um, you know, I have a lot of choices between like States, Canada, or like Australia, New Zealand, whatever. But um, I decided to, you know, go to Vancouver. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great because um, the system in the Caribbean is kind of similar to what you're describing with mm-hmm. Japan, where you do your CXCs, which is we call our school living exams, and your grades kind of determine um, if you're going to do community college because we have one community college, or if you're going to do, or if people want to do like a, a skill or a trades craft, you're going to study for that like a polytechnic. And but if you went, once you get into university, once you start, it's kind of very hard, it's very hard to switch midstream. Mm-hmm. So you most most people generally have to know exactly what they're going to do when you're going but when you're going to university. It can be kind of hard to switch courses. So the system is is kind of similar. And since mm-hmm. in Barbados we only have one university, we have the um, Cape Phil University campus, but there's also the sister campus in Jamaica, and they have like slightly different courses there so if you can't do your course in in Barbados to go to Japan and um, to Jamaica but the funny thing is is like there's also very limited courses that you can do as well right. so the system is kind of it's kind of the same so a lot of people have to do like student exchange programs whether either Canada the US or England or even sometimes in Asia um, so I think that's I think 
like I think that's one of the things where like, I think a lot of universities, not just in like Canada or Japan or Japan or even internationally, I think it's just internationally. Like students, because you're going into university at such a young age, mm-hmm. 17, 18, you don't, you're not an adult fully. You're still learning. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you, you're going to college. You realize, oh wait, college is not what I expected it to be. University is not what I expected it to be. The films and the shows, like it's way harder than they make it seem. You know, it's a lot of work and it kind of messes with you. So like. It, like you should be able to to me I've always believed you should be able to have like open open ended courses you know you have this like skill life skills courses and you say okay this is how I'm gonna find my passion you know and like and choosing to do film like that's something like when people look at film they say oh, they go to school for like filmmaking you know they were like I want to mm-hmm. be a filmmaker I want to be a writer I want to be a director a cinematographer whatever but a lot of people don't necessarily go to school to be like to do distribution, you know, mm. to do the management side of film of the film industry, and like I was in Korea recently, I went there to cover like two of their film festivals, and there they have the first, very first um, program in Asia, and I think internationally too, where it's specifically to teach filmmakers and students who aren't filmmakers the administrative side of filmmaking. So they, they're, right. it's, it's teaching them about production yeah. and about distribution and mm-hmm. the sales side and the business side of filmmaking. And it's the um, Asian Film School. It's the program is AFIS, AFIS. So it's the Asian it's the Asian Film School program. Yeah. And I thought it was brilliant because like all of most people when I talk to them, like production producers or distributors, they they don't have any technical or educational background for it. You know, they kind mm-hmm. of just like fall into it, and they they have to learn as they go along because there's no courses to teach you. Right. how to be a film distributor how to be a film producer you know yeah so like um so for you like when you're learned when you were deciding to do film distribution you l- learned that as an adult like the process that oh you yeah exactly learning. like i learned so, like, how was it like for you um yeah so when i you know started to work for this japanese film distribution mm-hmm. company I didn't really know anything about distribution or rights or whatever, right? Um, but luckily, like you know, they started sending me to film markets pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I went to like Cannes and MIP and TV, uh, all those like uh, film festivals and TV markets, um, and I had meetings with like sales agents. Mm-hmm. Um, our company was like acquiring and contents like constantly so I learned the process of like negotiation and then also like how to read contract like English contracts and then and then also like the company uh, owned movie theaters so I got to learn like how to like distribute the ones that we acquired so I was kind of lucky because I got to learn everything Mm -hmm. and the company was kind of like a small to medium-sized company. Maybe like when I started, maybe like about 20, 30 people were working. Mm-hmm. And it grew to maybe like about 100 people. But um, because it was kind of small that are, one person has to do like multiple tasks. So I was a buyer, but like also kind of had to help the promotion sometimes, the distribution sometimes, uh, TV sales sometimes. So. Um, by doing like different kinds of uh, uh, film distribution um, aspects, like I, I learned a lot of things. Mm. Now you mentioned the buying, so that's something I want to talk about because um, I've only been doing film criticism full time since 2018, and I, there's still so much about the film industry that I want to learn. So for me, it's not only about talking about the film itself and talking about the arts, like the cinematography and editing. And music and like that's all of that very much interests me but for one of my things is especially now that I'm kind of getting older uh, I also I'm, I'm, I'm for me I also I kind of want to learn as much as about, about the industry as I can and one of that is about like the distribution and the marketing side of it and you mentioned buyer I'm um, buying so like I I've only seen it been when I've been at TIFF but like at TIFF there's the market hall so in the market hall that's where you have like the distributors like yourself and the agents like they are like basically there to promote the films to other for to I guess you can say like networks and studios and um, the theaters about getting these films 
marketed like internationally in particular because TIFF is an international film festival. Mm -hmm. So talk about the process of buying. So how does that actually work? Because like, you know, like it's not the same as going into a supermarket or even like a video store and say, okay, like we see this film, I want to buy it and I want to distribute it. Talk about the process of buying itself. Okay, so the film has uh, several different rights. Mm -hmm. So like there's distribution, like a theatrical rights, there's TV rights, you know, the Blu-ray, DVD rights, it's called videogram rights. Uh, nowadays there's like VOD rights, internet mm -hmm. rights, whatever. Uh, and usually like for a film company, you buy all rights mm -hmm. so that you can have like the, every right so, to execute in your own country. And because uh, I was working for a Japanese company, usually the territory that we acquire is just for Japan. Right. And then you get like, you, you have some years, right? Like mm -hmm. five to ten years. Um, and then like film can be sold on the script basis. So even though it's before being made, you have a script and like famous director mm -hmm. and then actors attached. Um, some buyers are interested mm -hmm. and then they read the script and then may pay. Like it's called pre-buy. Right. Um, but a lot of buyers, um, you know, like want to watch the completed films. So that's when like, they go to market or film festivals because they premiere at those festivals mm -hmm. or markets. So they go and then like they watch the film. Sometimes they have like industry screenings only for like buyers and stuff. So they attend those uh, screenings. They watch the movie and they think, oh, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's going to work in Japan. They kind of like rush to the sales agent's booth yeah and, like make a call i've seen the rush like, as soon as the screen goes it's like all a bunch of people in the market i'm like where were you like five minutes ago yeah and um and then they're like yeah like and they start the negotiation mm -hmm. right because i definitely like show interest beforehand but mm -hmm. they're like you know after watching like for sure i want to want and sometimes get get into like bidding war right, like, right. Oh, i'll pay this much and the other company pays this much and like okay i'll pay this much more um yeah so this that's kind of how that creation works mm. Mm. and for especially when you're actually like so for say using japan as a as an example because japan is an island it's not like a continent and i, I think that kind of actually plays into it because you usually for like smaller countries you like the cultural foundations or the government aid in like in providing a financial aid to like for instance like for instance if the japanese cultural center was set was set in japan like they would get aid from the japanese cultural foundation it kind of works the same in barbados because in barbados we have the barbados mm -hmm. culture foundation so they provide sponsorship mm -hmm. you know for like people who want to like do like um filmmaking or uh, different things like that so for like instance if you have like a company like yours because it's an independent company and if you were for instance oh you don't want to be a pet to canada because canada you have um you have do have some cultural foundations that do provide like aid there's yeah, like, like telefilms telefilms yeah. 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 yeah okay right so like do you like for you because you're an independent company do you get like um sponsorship to help with like getting distribution rights like like that you can say okay i have the backing of telefilm canada to help me distribute this film does that happen like as mobile films yes um so i'm actually you know trying to do more research about that mm -hmm. because what I know is a uh, Canadian distributor, if they distribute Canadian films, mm -hmm. um, they can get some kind of like grant or like funding right. from either Telefilm or, or like CFC or whatever, like you apply. Um, in, but I focus on Japanese films, mm -hmm. so I don't think I can get, I can apply for that uh, because it's like their focus is Canadian films, oh. which is totally understandable. And then Japan also has government organizations such as like Uni Japan mm -hmm. um, and then like Japan foundations and stuff. But I think their focus is for Japanese companies that are have their offices in Japan and then my company is Canadian company. So it doesn't really, you know. <laughs> have a film like okay so we mentioned Ramayama is like a Japanese Indian yeah. um, collaboration so what yeah. if it's a film that's like a Japanese Canadian um, collaboration yeah yeah so in that case I think um, I should be able to apply to like <laughs> a telefilm 
some kind of like funding. Right. Um, but because I haven't really done that before, I don't know how.、Mm. And I'm in the process of like, you know, like learning about that.、Uh, I had like a meeting with a telephone person.、Uh, what I know is like, to,、uh, as a distributor, to apply for like any kind of funding, you have to be like kind of like approved by telephone as like a legit、uh, distributor.、Mm. And I find I'm just reading all the documents, it says like, have to have minimum two years of.、Uh, so like, You know, I've been in the industry for a long time, but、yeah. like, I started the company just last year, so I may have to wait another year to apply.、Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll see how it goes because they may be flexible, but I don't know.、Mm. Okay, so you started the company, as you said, just a year ago, and you、yeah. started it when the film industry was kind of like in flux because, like, in 2020, the, the pandemic began、mm-hmm. and the film industry was kind of on pause. For a very long time,、yeah. and even、um, like because like you had the like film festivals like TIFF and South by Southwest, like those were paused for the first year in 2020, so they didn't happen. So that I know that would have affected distribution as well because like, you can't have the marketing. So, with that happening, and then like things starting to pick up again in 2021,、mm-hmm. and then 2022, it was almost like people are like quote unquote back to normal, but you know, it's still not back to normal because there's films that like. Two, three years, they've lost two, three years of potential, yeah. Um, like distribution and marketing and getting it all exposed because a lot of films actually, there are a lot of films that are being released now that were made during right the pandemic, yeah, yeah. Like, especially like、so、a lot like of a backlog indep- of like a lot of right, films, right? Yeah. a lot of them are independent films in particular were made、yeah. during the pandemic. So,、mm-hmm. like, when you started the company, yeah. What was it that made you decide, okay, this is when I'm going to start it? And then what were the challenges you had beginning it, considering like basically like we lost like almost a year and a half, two years of the film industry?、Uh, so, like, I started the film company kind of right after the pandemic. So, I don't think I was affected much by the pandemic.、Mm-hmm. But、uh, it's just like by myself,、mm-hmm. and I started, you know. Like all along without having knowledge about like how to start a company. <laughs> so、You're、that was like, a、like、<laughs> challenge, right?、Uh, like、yeah. I had to do all the research.、Yeah. Um, you had to like open a bank account, like, you know, just like a business account. Every single step was like new、mm-hmm. and, and kind of had to learn from the scratch.、Um, I just had the knowledge of like, You know, how to acquire films, how to distribute films, but I didn't know any theaters in Canada.、Right. So, and I made a list of all the theaters. Because, like, besides Cineplex and Nutmarks,、um, you know, they probably like are most of 50% of like Canadian theaters,、yeah. I would say. And then there are not too many, like, you know, independent cinemas which would be interested in. Like Japanese language films.、Um, so, like, you know, places like TIFF or like Cinematheque or, or VF Center,、um, I made a list and then, you know, I found like contact info and started to like send emails to them saying, hey, I have this amazing film called My Small Land, which was like awarded at Berlin last year. Like, it was like this year, so this year.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people replied saying, hey, that looks interesting.、Right. And then I showed them the link and And, and they wanted to show the film. So,、um, yeah, it's just like all these steps take some time and,、mm-hmm. and I had to learn from the scratch. So, that was, I would say that was kind of a challenge. Okay, right. So, for you, so for you like for this film, like My Small Land, they were literally the company, the production company was like, literally, we will let you distribute this film. And that worked because of digital links. Like, I mean, they sent you a digital link and said, you can send this to, this, to the cinemas that you're interested in. In、mm-hmm. having this film show? Yeah, so yeah, I think、uh, digital, everything became digital made me easier to just do the distribution by myself、mm-hmm. because, as you said, I can show the, the film with a digital link to theaters.、Mm-hmm. Also, like,、um, you know, you can send DCP by Digital as well, like by email. DCP is? This is like a digital cinema package. It's、okay. like a screening material.、Oh, okay. Like you can have it in a physical format,、mm-hmm. like in a hard disk, but because it's digital, you can basically send the link by email.、Mm-hmm. It's a really heavy data, but like, 
you know, um, if you have digitally, you basically don't have to like deal with any physical material, so you don't have to like think about shipping. Um, and then also like nowadays, you know, people don't really need like uh, paper flyers or like paper posters. So it made my life a lot easier because all ha all I had to do is like you know get a designer and then make them design like a website and also like the the film poster but like just this study mm -hmm. so i don't have to you know get it done like printing i don't have to deal with all the shipping um yeah so like i think it this like digital world everything is kind of digitalized made made it really easier compared to before like you know when we had to deal with like print yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah now, see, this is for anyone who may be working with a production company who will say to me, a film critic, oh, we don't have digital links because you can't screen it. You can only watch it in, in, um, in person at the screening. Not true. <laughs> Not true. Because that happens with me a lot, especially with a lot of other black film critics. Like, because we can't attend. The funny thing is, okay, so in 2020, because TIFF, South by Southwest, Fantasia Fest, uh, in like... Um, all of these film festivals weren't happening in person. We had all of a sudden we could get access to digital links. Mm. The screeners were available. Twenty twenty one happened. Things started to go back to normal, and there all of a sudden film festivals and not film festivals, the production companies and the and the marketers were like, oh, we only have like a limited number of screening link. So like everyone wasn't able to see the films. Mm. Then like last this year, like I covered. South by Southwest, like A24 and some other companies were saying, oh, we don't have any digital links. Mm -hmm. You can only watch it in person. And I'm like, mm -hmm. really? Seriously, if you were still in lockdown, you would, you would have found a way to make sure that everyone had those links. So when you're saying like, you're, if you're able to function as a distributor but because of digital links, and you're not the only one because all distributors will be doing the same thing, you know? They'll yeah. be promoting their films to the cinemas and to the companies and saying, oh, I'm going to send you this package because... It's more convenient. So, like, here you say that is the validation. This is validation for me personally. I can see, right. like, <laughs> but I can see the point of a production company because mm -hmm. um, production companies, their films is probably brand new. It could be before it comes out to the theaters. So, they, like, they are really worried about like their film being pirated, and a digital link has such a like, you know potential to be pirated easily mm. like be mailing and whatever right so um you know i understand as a producer or production company if the film is hasn't even like premiered anywhere mm -hmm. they don't wanna share the link um that can happen yeah but i'm a distributor so you know by the time i want to show my small land to like canadian theater it's already like screened in japan mm -hmm. it's like it would premiere in berlin and then other film festivals so like the japanese sales agent and producers are not as worried about as like the brand new films yeah i i understand that, yeah, but, yeah. that I, but i'm also just like accessibility is key for film critics to do our jobs yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like now we're talking um i want to talk a bit, a, a bit more like about the um, the Toronto Japanese Film Festival, which is like what well, this is, which is how we are connected. Um, so I think it's, I didn't even know that you were res responsible for starting the film festival. I think that's amazing that you were able to start an entire film festival, which has, I think, been doing extremely well. So, like, I became aware of it in 2018 because I was attending the Toronto Real Asian Film Festival mm. and one cut of the dead show there. Mm. And the screening was supposed to happen at the JCC. Um, center and I wasn't able to make it because <laughs> right. it was raining and I got lost I had no idea where I was going by the oh. time I found my way and they were like oh by the way uh, it's another day I was like what I came on the road <laughs> but I but I did eventually get to see one cut of the dead and I wasn't able to attend because like 2019 I had a lot of stuff going on but then pandemic pandemic and uh, so I was able to attend this year and like the first film I saw was anime supremacy which is amazing um, that film would have me laughing. So I want you to talk a bit now about the films that you'll be showing there. So like we mentioned at the beginning, the Zen Diary hmm. and um, the Fish Story. I keep wanting to say Fish Tale, it's, but it's, it's, it's not called the Fish Tale. Is it the Fish Tale? I keep I darting think. myself. <laughs> I keep darting myself. I'm like, I know. Yeah, it's the Fish, the fish Tale. Okay, yeah. so I was right. I was darting myself. But uh, so talk about these two films and how um, how you became 
involved with them like how did the process so for you now how did the pro for showing films at film festivals how did you acquire these films for distribution did you reach out to this and um, the studios or did they reach out to you and say we'd like to show we'd like you to show this film at the film festival so because uh, the Toronto Japanese Film Festival, it's our 12th year, mm -hmm. um, I would say all the Japanese film companies know about the festival. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for us to reach out and ask for like their lineup and then ask for the screeners. Um, so that's how like, you know, me and James work together, like mm -hmm. we watch uh, we get the screeners that way like by reaching out to all the Japanese film companies and uh, get the screeners and watch them and then you know whatever like uh, amazing come out we discuss and then decide to put it on the, on the festival lineup. Mm -hmm. So you're okay so it's you and um, James who decide this is what we want to show for the ad festivals so how does your your part in it come in as a distributor like become being the one to distribute like for in particular these two films like how does that work as well they, do you tell the studios okay well we're going to show your film at the festival and you'll be like okay like, I'd also like to work as a distributor as well yeah so that's when it kind of gets tricky mm -hmm. because like uh, before I started the film company I was just like you know kind of like working for the festival but now because I started my own company mm -hmm. it's kind of like a conflict of interest right. in a way so I'm more like just like helping the festival rather than like you know uh, uh, like being a, a programmer right, right. Um, and for for example I actually I don't handle the fish tale the fish tale the director is coming but mm -hmm. like it's not normal films title but uh, normal films like have acquired uh, the Zen Diary and Ramayana. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, like when I acquired the film, I think about the Toronto Japanese Film Festival because that's, you know, I'm really close to the festival. I really like the festival. Um, and also, like, they focus on Japanese films. It's kind of like a perfect match. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, it would be really great, like, if the, the festival um, picks up normal films titles because then like you know it has more exposure right yeah right okay and um so i so once a festival is wrapped i've always wondered what happens after now so what was the next step for you after um like zendaris and ramayama shows at the festival but mm. what like do you how does just so showing it at the festival is going to yeah. be different than showing it after festival because you already have an established audience with the film festival that like you have right, people right. who are there so What's the what's the process of gaining an audience after? Yeah, it's hard. Um, the I basically had to like contact all the film uh, theaters mm -hmm. and then ask you know if they if they want to show the films. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I worked with like some theaters with my small land, for example, like Beef Center right. or a cinematic, I reach out to them and you know like hey do you want to show these films I have these films uh, luckily for the, the Zen Diary uh, Beef Center uh, was interested so they're gonna show it in September mm -hmm. uh, and then also like um, I met with a uh, theater owner of Fox Theater but he also owns Bytown Cinema in Ottawa um, he lives actually fairly close to here, so we had a coffee and then and also like pitched my films and and he liked uh, like my small land and the Zen Diary, so uh, he's gonna like show those two films at Fox and uh, uh, By Town. So like mm. uh, especially the My Small Land, it's about Kurdish refugee family. Right. And June twentieth is um, World Refugee Day. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was like, okay, it's kind of perfect day to show this film. So on the June 20th, uh, he's going to show My Small Land at the Fox and Baitown. Mm. And at Baitown, he's also going to show uh, The Zen Diary. Yeah. So like slowly, you know, like um, I'm finding movie theaters who would show my films. But I kind of have to work hard to talk to them yeah. again and again because there are so many theaters and then you know sometimes people don't reply and then <laughs> yeah um, and then for Ramayana um, I I picked up this film because I wanted to uh, distribute animation because mm -hmm. like among any Japanese 
film content, anime is the most popular genre and probably the most commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but like because more films such as startup, it's hard for big anime studios in Japan to like give me, give me their films. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe I just should start with like old films or small films, like animations. And I was talking to my idea with like my friends in, in, in Toronto and she she has like a lot of like knowledge in uh, animation mm-hmm. and she sent me this like uh, Twitter link of a uh, trailer of Ramayana and saying hey like this anime it's kind of like you know um, people like going by viral like this trailer so I, I, I watched the trailer and the trailer looks really amazing and I did some research and I found out like it was like you know remastered like into 4K in Japan and, and this Japanese company is like doing distribution in Japan and they have like uh, contact forms I contacted them and they replied and they're like Canada rights available so I'm like okay I want to you know acquire the Canadian rights for this movie so and I ended up buying the film uh, it's because like why it's animation but it's also uh, India Japan co-production and I knew that. Canada has such a huge Indian community and then also Hindu community. Um, so I thought like it may work if I reach out to those communities. And in fact, like um, when you know JCCC decided to show Ramayana, um, I contacted like all the like Indian newspapers or like Hindu newspapers in Canada, and then like uh, one guy from uh, Hindu Times mm. replied to me saying. You know he's really interested in like this film so Hindu Times and Hindu Forum like collaborated and like um, basically like giving like uh, buying maybe around 100 tickets for this screening and then give away those like acquired 100 tickets to like the, their community members so uh, you know like beside the JCCC's um, audience uh, like Hindu Times bought like you know, hunt tickets right. for JCCC, and then the the James, like the director of JCCC, called me this morning saying there's another like Indian company who is going to buy over hunt tickets. Oh, that's so great! That's like amazing. So yeah. now it's pretty much sold out, and he kind of have to stop setting the tickets online because he's worried that they may. He may have to do an, have to do an <laughs> additional day of screenings. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, my phone. Thank you. I'll just put you here. So, um, and uh, it, I can't really say. It. And like, when are you going to uh, post this? Um, for this interview, I'm thinking of posting it um, if I can, because I have some editing to do. But I'll try to get the editing done. Today's Monday, maybe. Oh yeah, in a few days, right? Yeah, I'll yeah. have it maybe posted by Wednesday because okay. I want to post it during the festival. Okay, okay. Because uh, there's another film festival mm-hmm. in Canada. Uh, it's going to show this film. Toronto Relation? I can't tell because it's, they haven't announced yet. Uh, so, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know. Um, and then also the VIF Center is going to show this mm-hmm. in the end of uh, June. Uh, and then, you know, real cinema in Vancouver? Uh, they do a lot of like kind of like genre films and animations. Yeah. They are like definitely interested in Ramayana. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then also like I think through the Indian communities, um, you know, I can maybe show this film in their cultural center yeah. or like Hindu temples. So um, I think you know this this could do well. Yeah. Mm. With the support of the communities. Oh no, I think yeah. they'll do it extremely well because. Um, Indian films, a lot of people, when people think of Indian, they only think of like Bollywood films, but mm-hmm. they have a very strong, I think, um, anime, um, animated community, animated mm-hmm. film community, because um, like they have like kids TV shows and that kind of stuff. So like cartoons and animated films are very popular um, with that community. Um, so I want to ask you about the Zender, because Zender is about food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for for uh, Ramayana, I think it's kind of like, obvious, as you said, you will pitch it to um, people in the Indian and the Hindu community. Mm-hmm. For Zender, because it's about food, would you pitch that to like, for instance, um, I'm thinking, like for some reason in my head I was thinking you would like pitch it to like a, a food, what was, I, 
not a food like a food network or like you know to show on their channel or even um uh like bloggers like you know people who talk about food mm -hmm. and, and are interested in food like you know or like what uh, for like magazine because like, you want print coverage as well you would pretty would like would you pitch it to like a magazine that's centered totally. on food and that kind of stuff yeah 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 um so the Zen Diary, mm -hmm. um, because it's a food-related uh, film, mm -hmm. I first pitched to like local uh, food businesses, like uh, Japanese food uh, right. restaurants and stuff, uh, to get the sponsorship, mm -hmm. and so that I can cover the cost for like making flyers and right. stuff. And then there are like six or seven companies that are very kind enough to you know sponsor this film. Um, yeah, so like. There's like ramen rising, uh, which is like have a restaurant in, in downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. There's like Asma Foods, which is kind of like a B two B like a food uh, like factory that they they make like um, seafood. They, they have a seafood mm -hmm. factory, but they also started to do B two C sales of like their uh, like packaged food. Mm. So mainly like a frozen seafood, mm. but they also have like frozen cheesecake, which is Ooh. really amazing. <laughs> Okay, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, there's like a Kabuki Zakura, which is like a renovation company, mm. Ozawa Canada Inc., which is also like a food Japanese food distributor. There's uh, the Toronto Buddhist Church, which mm. is like a temple right. in Toronto, and there's Tsuchi Cafe, uh, which is like basically vegan food cafe in Toronto. And Ito is like a tea company that are, they can uh, provide some tea bottles. Uh, for the screening, which is amazing. And as a Zen diary, they focus on uh, Shojin Ryori, which is a Japanese kind of like a temple vegan cooking. Oh, okay. So like no animal products. Mm. So I was like, I started to reach out to uh, vegan communities mm. on the Facebook, um, and I posted about uh, the film screenings, and you know, some people liked it. So hopefully like, uh, like you know, I can. I think this film appealed to like food community as well as like vegan communities, and then also people who like Japanese films or interested in Japanese culture because it's a lot about like kind of like Japanese culture disguised in like you know super countryside in Japan. And, right. Yeah. This film is like very much my up my alley. I love watching food. Yeah. I love I love watching people prepare food. Like yeah. sometimes at night when my brain like because sometimes it's hard to shut on my brain. Mm. I watch like um like YouTube channels of like there's these I people my sister calls them visual ASMR. So like, you have someone going to a restaurant and they'll follow the chefs from like early morning prep, even going to like the fish markets and like to prep and then like to service at the end of the night till they close up. Most of the ones I watch are Japanese um restaurants because I just love sushi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love Japanese food. I love the process how they prepare the Japanese food. So I'm like yes this is very much me. <laughs> this is very much up my alley. And like I just have the idea like if you like that if you like had a special screening at the Tiff Bell Light Boss. Um, and then, like, because there's a lot of Japanese restaurants in that area on yeah. John Street and Queen, mm -hmm. you'll be like, at the end, you'll be like, okay, we'll have like a special dinner um, of food prepared by local Japanese restaurants here afterwards. So I would just, that, the idea just popped in my head. I was like, that's something that I would very much like, dinner and a movie kind of a thing. Yeah. So I was just like, that would be amazing. And I would be definitely be there with chopsticks ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we created uh, pics of this film. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like I just had that idea, like a dinner and a movie special. Yeah, um, like Japanese food and right. Movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and um, so I want also uh, I want you to talk a bit about the financial um, side of this because like you were talking about buying the films and acquiring mm. that. So how does that work for you financially? Because you're a small independent company. Where does the financial um, backing come for buying the films and acquiring them? And how that like do the distribution companies? Um, like, do they fund you? Like, for they don't fund you. So, like, how are you able to like acquire and buy the films? So basically, like, I'm kind of self-funding mm -hmm. my company. Um, you know, um, I didn't borrow money from bank or any other film companies, and I just wanted to be kind of completely independent. Right. Um, and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. So. I don't think financially it's you know easy to like make profit out of distributing Japanese films right. because 
like in Canada, like obviously, you know, English speaking films has the most like potential mm -hmm. and like Japanese films like such a niche um, market, especially like live action films. Right. Um, so to me, it's not too much about like making a lot of money or like profit. It's more like I wanted to do what I want to do and I can learn from the process. And I thought like, okay, even if I don't, you know, uh, make any profit, I can think this experience as uh, me going to school, some paying tuition. And like, if, if I lose money, it's like, you know, I paid school, that kind of like mentality. <laughs> So yeah, um, and then like I do a lot of like uh, service work in a way. So beside the uh, distribution, um, oh, sorry, I was working. Okay. I was working a lot for the uh, the TV production mm -hmm. uh, Pachinko, which was like being shot in Toronto, oh. like season two. So yeah. So I was like working for, you know, like maybe three months or six yeah. months. Um, and like that way I kind of make money mm -hmm. uh, from distribution. Maybe I don't make that much money, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can survive. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So like you only make back, if you were to make a profit, the profit would come from, would, would come from like theater sales? Yeah. So theatrical yeah. sales. And then that's what I am doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe like next step will be like I had to talk to TV broadcasters in Canada okay. to see if I can sell the rights to TV broadcasters then to VOD platforms but it, it's only Canada so Canadian VOD platforms which is kind of hard because we don't have that many we have what Crave? Crave yeah and that's the only one we have yeah CBC yeah. Jam and Netflix has Canada but I don't know if they only buy Canadian rights I'm not sure but that's just me being personal. That's just me being personal. And I was actually just gonna. Um, I I was my next question was gonna be about streaming because because we talked about how the pandemic affected like the production side of film, um, the film industry. So it also affected the distribution side and also the platforming side because mm. a lot of um, you had Netflix was cornering the market for a very long time, but then Disney Plus started to go right. into the market, and then you have Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, but Amazon Prime is, I think Amazon Prime to me is more, is slightly more artsy in that like they platform a lot of um, niche international films. Like you can go on there and find like, a, like Jamaican films that you mm. can't find on like Netflix, you know. And, oh. and yeah, my sister and I watched like a Jamaican um, film that was, it was, this is 20, so like in early 2022. We were like, what? They got Caribbean like productions on like Amazon Prime and then there's Apple Plus and the like, Apple produces. Yeah. And they pay for all the production and stuff. So, like yeah. for you, like how has okay? Well, and we need to talk about both the pros and the cons as an as an independent distributor, and like what your thoughts on the platform, on the production, not the production, the distribution side of um of digital platformings. Because I have my own very very strong feelings about mm. digital platforms, especially like particularly Netflix. In that, to me, I kind of see them as like hoarding the content. Mm. in a way and like how that affects like production for independent filmmakers and the independent cinema in like other countries like because when I was in um, South Korea I spoke to um, some producers there and I spoke to some other some other people in film crit and um, film circles there and they are concerned about how streaming platforms like Netflix and Disney Plus are gonna affect their local film industry you know because right. you got the filmmakers they're like okay like Netflix is almost a sure bet because they basically indiscriminately produce any and everything yeah but that affects the local the, the local theater side because like you don't have these local films being distributed in local theaters and being distributed by local um distributors so like for you for like canadian production like pachinko was um a canadian japanese production but that was distributed American, by american american I mean, it, scenes were filmed in um, Canada, but it was distributed by Apple TV because it was produced by Apple TV. Yeah. So like, it doesn't leave room for like a local distributor to say, okay, can we can I have a chance of distributing this? I see. As, okay, a local, yeah. as, a, as an independent thing. So like, right. what are your thoughts on that? On, like, the pros and the cons of working within the, um, the site of digital right. platforming. Um, so I think digital platform would affect movie theaters mm -hmm. because the like, audience 
don't go to movie theaters and then they decide to like stay home and watch films on like beauty platforms um but like my company is kind of too small that mm. it doesn't really <laughs> it affects me because um like i can show my film in, in uh, like a local movie mm-hmm. theaters and then also if i have a chance i can try and sell the film to those like platforms i'm not sure to pick it up but like uh, me personally it doesn't really affect my business mm. uh, in fact like I'm quite familiar with the platform business because I'm also like setting Japanese content to beauty platforms uh, okay. uh, because I, I work for like a Japanese uh, distribution company just doing the sales for North American platform mm-hmm. um, so I know names and I kind of know how they work um, but like those platforms, um, you know, they have a lot of money and then they they acquire content, but also they create content. Yeah. So I think they actually create more jobs in wherever like they're making mm-hmm. content. So I know like in Japan, they have Netflix office, Amazon yeah. office, you know, Disney plus office. They're all like making their own like Japanese original content mm. which I think is good for the uh, Japanese film industry because you know directors get hired like the crews get hired maybe with a fair price and a fair working uh, conditions mm-hmm. um, so it's probably like affecting movie theaters but overall I think it's creating jobs and uh, just like yeah more market and like more more things in the film industry I think mm. that's my personal opinion yeah, yeah. no they definitely they're definitely creating a lot of jobs but um, so this is just me being perfectly honest so like one of my interests and uh, one of my things that I've been thinking a lot about and I, that I've been looking into from my, my perspective as a film critic is okay once the films and the and the dramas even get pu- pu- made produce and platform um one of the things that i've noticed is there's very little promotion (laughs) (laughs) so like there there's like tons of like japanese dramas and films on like say for instance on netflix and you know on amazon prime but particularly netflix but they don't get promoted so a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't watch them so like only people with like a special interest in like japanese content even know that these projects even exist you know there was one that i watched that i love um it was basically about this lady she she began working with um a company it was an independent company and they make like customized lingerie for women and i'm like this is an amazing show because mm. it's talking about the female body and like the yeah. perception of the female body in like mm. society and stuff and like, and, like fancy and, and just like fancy lingerie and then just like and i told some of my friends and the people what are you talking about i'm like this show is right here on, mm. on netflix and like no one even knew it existed right. and then yeah. there was another one with another actress a man and he got pregnant and it's like this whole thing and it's talking about the gender you know like gender norms and like how men don't understand what women experience through pregnancy and that kind of stuff this is an amazing show on feminism i'm like no audience (laughs) so yeah 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 so i think uh those like for example like japanese language shows are probably promoted and marketed in japan but Mm -hmm. not so much outside Outside, yeah um and i because Netflix has like so many shows, I don't think they have enough like people and like you know, resources to yeah. like, market every single content equally. But also recently, I read an article about I cannot remember which title, but mm. like definitely American. It could be film or it could be like film made for a platform. Right. But the the main actor was saying that uh, the studio spends more marketing fee than the actual film budget mm. so like i think it was more like they spent twice or three times more yeah. marketing fee than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than the um the actual film budget yeah. and then obviously the, the actor so it's wrong because like if they have that much budget they should have spent on the mm. making of the film not on the marketing mm. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that because, like, I think there's so many contents. Yeah. And if it's not get marketed, nobody would know about the film. Mm-hmm. 
and therefore like they feel like they have to spend a lot of money on marketing but then like you know as a like actor or like director like we want more money to make better film yeah yeah <laughs> so I, I i understand yes yeah. so then we're talking a bit about dramas now you since you mentioned that you're looking also to have your to move in your distribution to also including digital platforms what are the odds that you are also looking be looking into like um distributing dramas <laughs> i personally have to ask this because i love dramas mm-hmm. i love asian dramas so like are you have you ever thought about possibly distributing dramas or is that something that you're going to get on get into later on down the road since your your company is just like she's still a baby no i mean like uh my focus is japanese content mm-hmm. so um it can be uh, like tv series mm-hmm. um but like for tv series uh i know it's like pretty much impossible to sell japanese tv series to canadian broadcasters mm-hmm. um and then like, the possibility is maybe like VOD platforms, like some, someone like Crave yeah. may want to pick up interesting Japanese TV series. But like first I had to make the contact, you know, I had to make connections with Crave. Once I have the connections and I, once I saw like few of my contents mm-hmm. and then maybe like they can tell me what kind of stuff they're looking for. So maybe I can acquire rights and then mm-hmm. sell like that's that's like maybe possibility in the future oh yeah it yeah. can be cool because that's the other thing that like you like you mentioned like sometimes it can be difficult with the canadian um tv and that is very true i don't think a lot of people outside of canada even people within canada understand how like the Canadian. you know canada is such an extremely large country canada doesn't produce as much content as you would think mm. it would do for like local productions like I think like Canada produces like especially in Vancouver because mm-hmm. they have like all of the animation studios and the sets there and even in Toronto like so much content that's made within Canada isn't for Canadian studios you know productions right. like a lot of it's for like Hollywood yeah a lot of them are oh, it's Hollywood productions mm-hmm. like, when I first moved here I honestly expected to find more way more diverse Canadian stories on screen yeah and then the more I started to watch Canadian videos I was like wait there's only like a part about I, I will take back a little bit because you had sci-fi like you mm. had the sci-fi channel and they made like so much sci-fi shows like shows that i used to watch back when my barbados uh-huh. were produced by the sci-fi um, channel and like and i love like sci-fi films and shows so but once that's been that that was shuttles so like now it's like where's like there's only like a few canadian there aren't there's very there's a few canadian shows but they're also very niche and like they're like well a lot of white people for instance a lot of the you know living on like on ranches and that kind of stuff and that's very they have very niche audiences so they they, they like, you have like what's it, the one was it hudson and rex like that's a very niche audience so like when i move so that's something that still kind of surprises me about the canadian screen industry is like it's 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 very it's, it's i don't know it's it's like it's very complex and it's very complicated and a little bit puzzling Cause like we had a show called the porter which was a black creative team and black cast and that only lasted one season you know like they didn't renew it but they re- renewed a show like Hudson and rex and it's like really okay we got a detective dog getting renewed but you know <laughs> you know but yeah, yeah, yeah. but so like for you for like what's your perspective on the canadian um industry and like the screen industry and like do you do like what like you've mentioned the challenges so talk a bit about how the Canadian screen industry within itself, I think, is very puzzling and curious beast. It's like it's like I think Hollywood is a bit more easier to understand because Hollywood is very capitalistic and is all that stuff. But you're like you can understand, and it's like so so huge. But Canada is just like this thing that I'm still trying to figure out. I'm like, what is what's happening here? So I think there's a huge difference between Canadian and American like mm-hmm. film industry. So like. American film industry, I don't think there's any support from the government mm-hmm. because they do well by, you know, themselves. Yeah. But like Canadian film industry, it has to be protected because like we are right beside the US and they like mm-hmm. who makes like amazing content. So if we don't protect the Canadian content, it's like, it's going to be all American shows, right? Yeah. So um, Canadian like broadcasters, they have like a quota system. So I think it's something like 90% contents has to be Canadian content. Right. So there's a very little room for like non-Canadian content on TV broadcasts. That's why I said like it's gonna be pretty much impossible 
for Japanese shows to get into, like maybe small percentage of those, uh, like you know, space, uh, and then also same as films, uh, like telefilm, heavily funds. Uh, Canadian films to be made yeah. and uh, support the Canadian film industry and like, you know, uh, educate the crews, uh, which I think is really good. Mm -hmm. And not only telephone, like each province has their own program to, um, you know, fund uh, like local, locally shot stuff, mm -hmm. right? So, um, like they invite like TV series and films so that they, like, they get shot in their own provinces. Um, and I think that's how like uh, Canada has like a very good cruise, um, yeah. and there's like a lot of it, like shows being shot in Canada. Like it can be Canadian content, but it can be American content, mm -hmm. whatever. But that's I think that's good for like people in in the industry, like Canadian, you know, in this Canadian uh, film and TV industry. Yeah, they, like there's a lot of people working within the industry on crews. Like I've been to like um, a few set visits here. I've been to set visits for like Shazam, and um, a couple other projects, and like other things. Like so many projects are made here, and like a lot of, you don't have no clue that that they're filming here um, unless like you see like a whole bunch of white trucks, and that's the production trucks. Yeah, like close to where I live, like in the area across the highway from where I live, like there's. Um, like three or four houses that I know that regularly are work as film sets because you're always seeing like the white, the big white mm -hmm. production trucks outside and everything. So like like Canada, especially I think Ontario in particular and Toronto has like a really robust um, filming industry that yeah. provides a lot of work for like um, for like film crews, you mm -hmm. know, and like those and like those um, kind of sets. And then of course, as like, you mentioned, like Vancouver has like they do the animation, you know, yeah. like um, Marvel. Films are animated there as well as into the Spider Verse. Like a lot mm. of the creators are Vancouver team. So like Canada has a very robust system. It's yeah. just like sometimes you 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 you're wondering. Like for me, like when I first moved to Edmonton, just like, I'm not seeing it on screen. Like sometimes like there's mm. very few shows that would become very mainstream. Mm. You know, like when I first moved here, it was Little House on the not Little House. It was something Prairie. Um, it was a it was a show about like a, a Muslim family living out in um, I think it was in the Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan I think something yeah. like that yeah and then like there's very few shows that actually become like very um, mainstream in like, mm. the Canadian consciousness like of course the most recent example of that would be like Kim's Convenience you know mm. where that became internationally known so that's what I mean like sometimes with like that's why for me I say like the Canadian screen content becomes to me is like it's very unpredictable like you can't tell what's going to go internationally mainstream but a lot of it stays very well known within like the country right. itself yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. so puzzling for me for such a big country but i still can't get used to it <laughs> like canada is so large why <laughs> yeah yeah it's true yeah um so free so for you so like um you're gonna wrap up now but like um we've talked about like distributing Zendari and Ramayama like what is next for you like um are you in the process of I know you probably can't do it. you know what you probably can't talk about it because of like NDAs and that kind of stuff because <laughs> you mentioned one and you mentioned a, a film festival that you can't mention um <laughs> uh, uh, but what can you say about what's next for you and Momo I, oh wait, I meant to ask what like the name Momo films where did the Momo come from so when I was Thinking about uh, the film company name, mm -hmm. um, the, the, this lawyer like you know gave me advice that I do not use English names yes. because uh, you can be sued. It says that like another company with the same, <laughs> with the same name, a similar name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so scary. <laughs> and then he was like suggesting because you're Japanese, maybe you should like you know have some kind of Japanese name. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's a good advice. Um, and like. I came up with Momo because uh, Momoko was my mom's name, oh, okay. but also Momo means like uh, the fruit peaches, mm. and uh, a peach in like Japan and in other Asian countries usually have a kind of like a good luck fruit. Oh, okay. So like you know get rid of evil or like you know if you eat peaches you eat it for like many years, um, so it's kind of has like a you know kind of good meaning in mm -hmm. general and then also like very easy to remember right like, yeah, yeah. 
So I was like, okay, I'll go with small ones. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for more films? <laughs> so um, I am invited to Fantasia because uh, I became a jury of their like uh, animation mm. department. So um, yeah, I'm gonna be visiting Fantasia for the first time actually. Um, that's exciting. And uh, with the Toronto Japanese Film Festival, that moved to Hibiya in Tokyo mm -hmm. as like a outdoor film festival. Right. So it's called um, Toronto Japanese Film Festival in Hibiya. Okay. And then, you know, it's been like four or five years. I'm pretty sure that's gonna happen this year. So like I'll probably be in Japan in October when that happens. Um, and in terms of like distribution, mm -hmm. Um, cause like, I'm basically doing everything by myself. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, I want to focus on what I have right now. Yeah. So I don't really think I want to acquire another film within this year. Mm -hmm. I may if I come across with something really amazing, but like, you know, distributing one film is like a lot of work for me. So. It is. So yeah. for, for what you've been saying, like it's way more labor intensive, especially as you, you know, you're, it's just you, you know, yeah. you don't have like a whole team behind you. So it's way more labor intensive for you. Yeah. And, and I, I, I like you're saying that like you have to be a bit more selective because I think it also has, you have to have passion for the film that you're doing. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You to, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is when you have to really be like, I really believe in this film. Yeah. I really want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and like, you know, after studying the mobile films, I got interviewed by like a few Japanese medias mm -hmm. in Canada and like people who read the article like reach out to me saying, hey, like, is there anything that I, I can help? Like those are sometimes like film students or like people who used to work for film industry in Japan and like, you know, uh, they're like really kindly like volunteering their time mm -hmm. for like just to post something on social media and stuff. Yeah. So, more people social media is like main like you know mainly handled by like those people who are like helping me but beside that like you know i'm doing acquisition i'm doing like you know sales to the theaters i'm doing sales to like you know broadcasters and and platforms so it's just like a lot of work yeah. Um, well, I, I I wish you good luck and like Thank you said that you named the company more I think that that was actually very um a good thing because like my mom believes in speaking things into being so like if you you name the company something that has a good positive and um, connotations to it so I'm sure you'll do extremely well thank so, you so much and I might be able to see you at Fantasia because I oh. I usually cover it virtually but I want to like this year one of my goals for this year is to cover more film festivals in person this year so nice. I might be able to see you at Fantasia Fest. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yay. Yay. And I think that's it. <laughs> and I'll stop it there.